You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. We're beginning a new series on spiritual warfare. I believe we're, we, the church has got to rise up, fight the good fight of faith. Who believes that? In this series, I'm going to get into a lot of stuff. I'm going to talk about demons. I'm going to talk about angels. We're going to get into that. Curses, these things that, that are spiritual things that come against you in your life. I mean, just in itself, look at suicide. When you start seeing six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and eight-year-olds that are taking their lives right now, that's demonic. An eight-year-old doesn't have responsibility. Are you with me? Right? They're not paying bills and stressed out. Obviously, there's trauma. There's open doors where that comes from. But that's demonic. Your flesh doesn't even want to die. Come on. So you know it's spiritual to, to possess a person to do that. So we understand there's a spiritual world. It is more real, you could say, than this world. Because it's an eternal world, and this world is not. Your flesh is not eternal. It will, it will disappear. But before we get, i got to say, prison ministry meeting is this Saturday at 10 a.m. And then don't forget tonight, there is prayer uh, that you can join with us before this evening service. Please come 30 minutes before and pray with us. We need to pray. Hebrews 2.8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, speaking about Christ, from that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all the things put under him. So we know, spiritually speaking, that Christ won the battle. Come on, somebody. If you've read to the end of the book, Jesus wins, the church wins, it's over with, baby. But somebody says, so why are we still stuck here then, right? Why are we still stuck sometimes feeling like we're in the fight of our lives? Well, I want to read this to you. I recommend this book for everybody. I use this book a lot. If you you like studying the Word of God, you like knowing um, things, Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. It's a really solid book. I've read the whole thing. It's a very good book if you're studying things out. Maybe we can get it in the bookstore eventually. I'm going to read this to you just to line up what I'm going to preach today. It's talking about the divine purpose of God. So the Bible declares that even in the face of willful human rebellion, God's purpose still stands firm. All the events and activities of each nation and every individual have been known by God from the very beginning. God's purpose and plan has taken into account the activity of the rebellious, willful humans. Although God does not cause human rebellion, He does work all human activity to his ultimate glory. God spoke in Isaiah through his prophet declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. Indeed I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. In Isaiah 46, God is omniscient, knows all things from the beginning. He will carry out his plans and his purposes in his power and wisdom for his glory and for the redemption of his people. But God created humans with freedom of will to obey or disobey. The Bible does not say why God permitted sin, evil, or even human choice. Even so, we have the strong intimations that a redeemed people demonstrates God's glory and love vastly more than a race of conforming automatums. Regardless, it is certain that God is not the author of sin. Depravity, pain, and crime resulted from humans, dis- humanity's disobedience. Before God com- created humankind, He had already purposed to bring redemption by Jesus Christ. God's purpose includes His church. He is aware of each person that will make up that number. This does not indicate that God arbitrarily elects some and excludes others. Rather, that is the issue of the foreknowledge of God. The foreknowledge of God is not causative. Ultimately, God's purpose for all humanity culminates in the redemptive work of Christ Jesus, a work that involves the church, the body of Christ. Amen. So ultimately, if you captured what I read, and I'll put it maybe in other terms that's not as fancy, if we were not given free will, then we could never freely choose to worship God, which meant we would have just been a robot. That had no way, and then what glory does it give God to create something that has no choice whether or not to do something for Him? It took your will 
to get up this morning and say, I will drive to church, I will listen to Pastor Caleb, I will worship the Lord, I will lift my hands. Everything in the kingdom of God is accessible but still requires our free will to go out and approach it. The law of pursuit. Are you with me right now? And so why does sin exist? Why is there pain? Why do Christians die in their 20s? Why do marriages fall apart when someone's serving the Lord and things go haywire? Where does these things come from? It comes from the results of sin. Right? Look at the world. Sin exists. Sin is very clearly in Scripture says the wages of sin is death. So where does pain, where does depravity, where do these things come from? Even when you start getting into demonic possession, the open doorway for many people for demonic possession is a traumatic event that takes place in their life. Abuse. A lot of people. The Mansons, the Dahmers. It's because someone so wicked did something to them that it opened them up to the demonic which seized their free will. You with me? And so we understand, when we talk about spiritual warfare, I want you to understand that you have a flesh and you have a spirit. And so if you want to win the spiritual battle in your life, you've got to discipline, shout discipline. Discipline. You have got to discipline yourself to build up your spirit man and do as much as you can to silence your nagging flesh. Are you with me right now? This is so important. You talk about, we can get into angels, we can get into binding and loosen, we can get into all of these things, but it's really going to come down to, do I, will I, through the help of the Holy Spirit, exercise self-control over my flesh and pursue the kingdom of God? Even against offense, even against a jerk that hurt my feelings, I'm going to push my relationship with God is not determining on how great Christians are. It has to do with how great God is. I am solidly focused on the Lord. I know that darts will fly, arrows will fly, offense will arise, tiredness comes, attacks from hell, but I will not be broken by those because I'm focused on Jesus Christ. And by my free will, I will rise above. Amen. Come on, you have freedom in this place. That's why one of the biggest fights we talk about in the political world is the fight for freedom. Over my dead body, will you tell me what you get to inject into my body? Over my dead body, will you tell me what you get to do to my kid? It's my kid. I brought it in this world. And we're going to come out swinging. We got, I'm a country boy. We got 12 gauges when we were six years old. Amen. And it is a righteous fight. You look at what the anointing came for, what did Jesus say? To set captives free, to set at liberty those that are bruised. It's freedom, freedom, freedom. To say, I will break off the lie of hell so that my people can freely choose to worship me. All right, spiritual warfare. It is not a waging war between God and the devil. We talk about spiritual warfare. People get in their heads that there's like a battle in heaven between angels and demons. The demons are cast out. They got whooped. Jesus said in Bible days, I beheld Satan as of lightning fall from heaven. He's not up there causing problems. He's the defeated foe seeking to get in your head and make you feel defeated. Come on, and he knows defeat so well, so he can definitely mess with you. It is a waging war of sin that works within us. And our free will to either yield to sin or yield to the spirit that constantly works renewal within us. Amen. How many people know the more you yield to the spirit, the more that renewal takes place within you. The renewing of the mind. Praise God for that. Things you used to focus on, you don't focus on anymore because God has renewed the mind. Amen. Bad things happen as a result of free will. Why did a Christian die in a car wreck at 23 years old? Because an idiot decided to drink and drove into him. That's free will. So for God to intervene in that is to take from someone free will. Are you with me right now? So things happen. Ultimately, though, this life is but a vapor. We're not trying to win this side of eternity. We We are winning, but on the other side, we've already solidified we are walking on streets of gold. Bad things happen sometimes as our own result to yield to sin. 
Christians still yield to sin. Good people screw up. I'm not going to ask for the show of hands. Thank you. But you know what I mean? You can be blood-bought, spirit-filled, graduated Bible college, just full of the Holy Ghost and still do something stupid where you yield to something you shouldn't have yielded to. You let someone push your buttons, your anger buttons. There's a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, taking heat right now because the pastor punched a dude on the street. The guy probably deserved it. But we're living in such a snowflake world, you can't even punch people anymore. I mean, what? Where? Just zapping the fun out of life. Punch someone, you face a lawsuit. Man, I remember back when things used to be settled with duels. Someone says, how do you remember that? I'm joking. Andrew Jackson squared off our last, one of the last real presidents, took a bullet in the chest, steadied himself, fired and shot the guy that shot him. That's the president of the United States. He's a Tennessean, just so you know. So people are like, well, I don't know. How is the devil getting to me? Sometimes you yield it to something and you're going to have consequences. Let me tell you something. And I want you to hear this as best that you can be a, an awesome Christian, fall into a patch, cheat on your wife, marriage fall apart. Everybody just defraud, defame, your name go through the muck and the mire. God will still forgive you. There is still grace if you humble yourself and come to God. Ultimately, you will still get into heaven if it's a true repentance. But you have to understand, there are still consequences this side of eternity. Everybody talks about King David, the man after God's own heart, anointed by God, slayed the thousands he saw Bathsheba. It says, well, at the time when kings went off to war, this king didn't go off to war. He went out on the patio and he saw a lady and there were consequences. Yes, God forgave him. Come on. God forgave him, but the nation went through hell. David went through hell. His family went through hell because of this one thing. There are consequences attached to it. People are like, why is the devil getting to me? Sometimes you yield it, then sometimes someone close to you yields. Some good Holy Ghost Christians have kids that are full of stupidity. I'm not, I'm not trying to create a problem, but I'm just saying, I just want to put in clarity because people are like, how do these things happen? It's simple. People have free will. You know how many things I broke of my father's? I broke trucks. I broke equipment. When you're drunk, 16 years old, driving around, destroying things, breaking windows, I was a constant thorn in my dad's side. I can't probably... I don't know his personal prayer life, but I guarantee you there was some prayers. God. I love him, but if you took him, it'd be all right if you know what I mean. I'm just saying, I can't speak for my dad. He's in heaven right now. But ultimately, I would say there were some times. I know there were some times. I, I drove his boat. I totaled his boat, drove it out of the water, landed 15, 20 feet out of the water. We had to hire a crane to get the boat off of the road to the dam and put it back on it. My dad was so mad. I was actually more terrified he was going to kill me than I was to die in the boat wreck. And the reason being because you knew it was justifiable. Like, I get it. Okay, I know, I know that. So why do bad things happen? Sometimes you yield to sin. Sometimes those around us yield to sin. Sometimes you're just ignorant. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Sometimes we're ignorant concerning things going on around us. And so that's how we get hit. Now there is grace. There is healing. There is protection. Thank God for that. But ultimately I'm just establishing as we talk about spiritual warfare for the next several weeks. I want to get it in your spirit Yes, there is a spiritual battle, but by your free will, you will either minimize the battle or maximize that battle in your life. Either be going through the fire all the time, or you're going to find out that you actually can get to a place in life where God's protection and your choices actually make your life a lot sweeter than other people. 
Come on, most of us in here already are living a be- much better life than some people out there. Right. All right, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, of, of, of God the Father. Amen. The day is coming when ultimately every single person that has ever lived on the earth will bow before the Lord and confess Him as Lord and Savior. I mean, not confess Him as Lord. That day will come because the authority that He carries, even the enemies will have to bow down and recognize that. Then after that comes the judgment. That's why we choose each and every day, Lord, be Lord of my life. Come on, I don't want to lead this ship. I tried leading it for years, and I did a lot of dumb things. So I want you to take control, and I want to follow you, Lord. So the difference between, as Scripture talks about victory upon victory and defeat upon defeat is learning how to live with the wisdom of God. You can go from defeat to defeat, worse and worse, or you can go from victory to victory to victory, depending upon your own decisions your own actions, and learning to apply the wisdom of God in your life, which James says everybody in here can ask that from God as long as you're not double-minded, and he will pour that out freely and liberally in your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. So where we have erred is we have taught so much in spiritual warfare about the devil's power, his plan, and his schemes that we created a fearful church. When you start talking about spiritual warfare, most Christians actually start developing weird tics crazy things i mean it's like next to shaking salt over your right shoulder bro we are not superstitious come on it's like you can a black cat can jump in my cat car do seven backflips and growl and i still have authority to say get the hell out of here i want you to hear that spiritual warfare people get in their minds don't don't you know the bible even says that you could eat a meal offered as sacrifice to a demon and it wouldn't hurt you. Because to the pure, all things are pure. If you bought a house famous for its, its, there's 17 ghosts that take up residence there. There's a coven of witches and 33, you know, blood pits. In the, you can walk in there and then within one day, the whole atmosphere can change. That's what you carry. When every knee will bow, that means every knee will bow. And who's on the inside of the church? The Spirit of Christ Jesus dwells on the inside of me. I am not afraid of the enemy. Say it out loud. Say, I am not afraid. Oh, no. Fear is not something the church is supposed to wrestle with. Fear is something the kingdom of darkness lives in constant, constant war with. Terrified of the church. Because it takes one praying saint to drive out a thousand thirsty devils. Because we have a covenant with God that blood is upon our life. They can't touch us. And if we don't yield to fear, it's his only tactic to convince you that these things go on. So know this. When we talk about spiritual warfare, I'm not trying to create a fearful church. That's out there like, man, don't do that. There might be demons under that rock. If there might be, flip the rock open and look. So if there's a demon, at least today's going to get exciting. (laughs) Tired of boring days. And go find something to stir up today. There is a spiritual battle. But the church is not waging the war to see if we win. As long as you stay in the attitude of faith, you've already won. Are you with me this morning? All right, we're going to read a bit of famous scripture concerning spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10. Now, in spiritual warfare, does every day you wake up and you feel like you are the great, you know, warrior for the Lord? No, some days you wake up and you're like, gosh, I am not the one for this battle. Some things that come across your plate, you're like, Lord, I'm too tired. But it's not based on how we feel. It's based on the renewed spirit of God on the inside of us. Ephesians 6.10, when you got it, shout amen. Amen. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Shout truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shout righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, shout the gospel. And above all, take the shield of faith, you know it, shout faith. Which you will be able to quench all, not some, not most, not the majority, but all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, shout salvation. The sword of the spirit, shout spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. To start this thing off, this is absolute potent concerning spiritual warfare. First thing it mentions is gird yourself with the belt of truth. The enemy is the father of lies. That is his specialty. That if there's anything the kingdom of darkness excels at, it is being a liar. They lie. They twist. They manipulate. He is a a deceiver. He, he, everything he weaves, misinformation, disinformation, lies, threats, All of these things are the number one attack of the kingdom of darkness. What does the Bible say? Gird yourself with the belt of truth. What that means as a child of God is when sickness comes, don't just accept sickness. You die, feast upon the word of God, get within his, his, his laws, his word, and discover for yourself the truth of the kingdom of God. What do I have access to by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Take it right now in this nation. Where do we see a nation falling into into darkness? Through lies, propaganda, misinformation, throwing all these things out. Do this, do that, listen to this, threatening people. Political correctness is just a tool to silence truth. Cancel culture, all of these things. It is the spiritual, it is darkness encroaching on a generation with lies. And the more the lie multiplies, the lie becomes the reality of someone. If you believe a lie long enough, that will become your truth. That's why the Bible says, know the truth. In the last days, this is what will happen. There will be many that are deceived. Even some of the elect will be deceived. So don't just take every article online and believe it. Don't just take every prophetic word that is spewed out on on social media and say that's a word from God. That guy could have just drank 17 Bud Lights, slept with a snaggletooth prostitute, and got up and gave a prophetic word, and you're like, that's the Lord. You don't know what voice they're speaking from until you test it by the Spirit of God on the inside. That's why amen means so be it. People are like, say amen. You better agree before you say amen. 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 All right, just checking. It says truth. Gird yourself with truth. If you believe a lie, that lie becomes your reality. Lies like poverty produces holiness. That's a lie. Do you know that that's a lie that is not generated in this generation? That that is a lie that has gone on for generations because one of the enemy's tactics was to break the back of the church financially so that we would struggle and we would not be able to build the kingdom like we're supposed to build. I'm just telling you, poverty does not produce holiness. Go down to the poorest areas of any large city and you tell me if every single street corner there's hymns and hymnals and baptisms taking place and, and everything. No, there's debauchery, there's prostitution. Poverty does not produce holiness. Neither does riches produce holiness. 
Holiness is a decision to follow Christ and get right with God and allow that spirit of God to get on the inside of me and start to control my actions by yielding to that. Amen. Amen. Those are lies. And the more that lie gets talked about and promoted and spoken about, take the election and we might lose our, our, our feet. I don't care. It is obvious that 400,000 votes don't come in and in five minutes in some random precinct. That's a lie. You're of your father, the devil. You cross land and sea to make a convert of hell. Twice the devil of hell is you, is what Jesus said. That's a lie. Know the truth. The truth is recognizable by the Spirit of God. Because he's the Spirit of truth. So you've been given a weapon against demonic lies by the Spirit of God on the inside of you that you can check things with. Amen. Say, Holy Spirit, Lord, lead me into right. If there's something, if something feels off about something, I guarantee you more is off than you even know is off. Right. When you got church, I'm just going to have fun today. I guess I'm hitting it. You got church leaders bringing in people saying that the cure for inflation is to kill more babies saying vote for that lady you have sucked the tailpipe of delusion bro hell no why does the bible say before before i was even formed in the womb he knew me he called me he ordained me no my friend i don't care how popular a person is if you're going to come up with that, that is not the truth of the kingdom of God. In my word and in his word that he has given me, it is evident every life is precious to God. Amen. But what if they're born with struggle? We all got struggle, bro. Join the club. God can raise up people from adversity and turn them into great proponents of change. And we need change. Amen. That's misinformation, that's lies, that's doctrine of demons. When you start getting your insight from a former satanic worshiper, let me tell you what devil worshipers do, that seven days a week we do this. I don't care what you do. Let me tell you what Christians do. We gird ourselves up, bro. We show up, we pray things through. We walk in dominion and authority, and the only reason you're in my camp is because my camp is greater than your camp. Ah! Sorry, I'm getting excited this morning. I just get tired of Christians walking around weak, broke, scared. What are you scared of? Call a lie a lie. And the moment the lie gets called out, then it's lost its power. Amen, somebody. Got people talking about God the mother now. Dude, okay. Whatever, man. You have not picked up a Bible. In him was male and female, but in the word he's called he. So I'm going to stick with the word. Then the Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Is this okay this morning? Is anybody really uncomfortable? Do we need to give like an intermission for you to like calmly leave? And be like, hey, peace out. Then the Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness. What is that? That is a right standing with God. You want to fight the good fight. If you want to be a victor in the spiritual battle, you don't, you, you, your stance is not, do I have a crowd on my side? That's where people look. They look to, we're like lemmings. If there's a lot of people that believe this, this must be true. That's not necessarily true. You just check yourself with God. Am I doing what I know God wants me to do? Am I pure before this? When I think of the Lord, is there nervousness attached? Like I should probably go to an altar call? Is there shame? Is there condemnation? Or do I know that my heart is pure towards God? That anything I've done wrong, I've repented. I've thrown myself at his mercy seat. And I can trust his graces upon my life. That's righteousness. He gives you righteousness. It's right standing with God. Do you have a pure heart and clean hands towards God? Or has God told you to do something, you didn't do it? That's something to work out personally. Are you with me right now? Does this make sense? That's the breastplate of righteousness. It's not that you're greater than people. It's not that. I'm not. Righteousness doesn't make me the best person in the room. It just means that I can walk with the confidence knowing God is on my side because I have not disobeyed what God has told me to do. Come on. That's righteousness. Your softness to God is a protection. 
Even when you screw up, a person with a soft heart repents quickly. They don't need someone to come and prophesy over them to repent. They just repent because they have a soft heart towards God. But if it does get called out, what you do matters. Come on, look at David and Nathan. Be true to your convictions is what it means. Everybody in here has convictions. Our convictions are different. You can take alcohol, the elephant in the room. That's something in the church that some people are like, me? I grew up with a family that was lined with alcoholics. We didn't have a glass of wine. You know what I'm saying? We had like gallons. We had, that was like our family get-togethers are not like, let's, let's close at 9 o'clock. We had a glass. It's like 3 a.m. <laughs> Hank Williams playing. <laughs> you know, why do you drink to get drunk? That's what I grew up with. So our family wasn't, like, responsible. So when we talk about alcohol, we actually know there's a problem. There are some people. I get it. You can drink one glass of wine a year, and there's not an issue. That's not a conviction. Then the only thing to apply in your life at that point is what Scripture says, that if you do drink and you cause another person to stumble, that's the sin you've committed. In other words, you don't go up to someone like me, and try and drink 18, you know, you know, he has a past. Does this make sense? Or was that following convictions? That's righteousness. Am I following my convictions? Or am I just letting what's popular in the crowd dictate what I can get away with? Then you have no convictions and you'll fall for anything. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but that's all right. Then the Bible talks about the being your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Shout. Gospel. The gospel is good news. You want to win a spiritual battle, be a soul winner. You want to kick the devil in the teeth, win someone into the kingdom of light, pluck them out of darkness. You can't punch the devil. I've tried. Who in here, what men are with me? You know what I'm saying? It'd be great if you could physically beat up the devil. That would be the greatest thing this side of eternity. We could just line up, pay, beat up the devil, punch him, take his tail, whoop him a few times, pull his teeth out, whatever you want to do. But it's not that way. It's a spirit, spiritual attack. How do we win? You preach the gospel. The devil messes with my father-in-law. Just, I was just sitting with him right as he spoke at the gala. And we were talking with a gentleman that, that was with him in the early, late 90s, 99, 2000, when they were doing three meetings a day. He preached 8 a.m.? 1 p.m. and 7 p.m., what was it, 43, 45 weeks a year, three meetings a day. So I looked at my father-in-law, I've heard it all the time, and I said, why? What possessed you to preach that much? He said, because I was fighting for my daughter's life. Kelly was on oxygen, her life was slipping away, I'd laid hands on her, everybody had laid hands on her, so I purpose within my heart to make the devil pay. You, you want to kick the devil where it counts? He took your uncle. Your uncle was taken off this earth. COVID killed him. That's, a lot. That's the devil. We already know COVID wasn't just some bat disease. It was literally man concocted to kill people. That's evil. Bro, that evil comes from the father of darkness. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer. You want to make him pay? Win someone to the Lord. Go out there and say, you touch my family, I'm going to touch your family. I'm going to pluck them out of darkness right into light. I may stutter, but by God, the gospel will be preached. That's taking territory. How do you take territory? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I believe in acquiring property. I believe in all of that successful life. But ultimately, the only thing you take with you when you cross over is souls. If you've not won anybody to the Lord, start being a soul winner, bro. And I, but by that, too, you start being a soul winner, a lot of the problems that come in your mind disappear. You forget them because you're winning souls and then you have joy bubbling up because you're seeing the kingdom of God advance. You're seeing light explode. You're like, bro, you can't get me down. I'm going to go win another one. Pick on me. Coming out swinging. Then the Bible talks about the shield of faith. Shout faith. Faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is ultimately reading everything in the word and saying this is absolutely 100% true. I will not... Now, you understand every, every scripture is God-breathed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
I stand, my faith is upon the finality of the cross. On that day, Jesus won. Period. 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a public spectacle over the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. A public spectacle. I like that, right? Jesus didn't win in a back alley, hidden away where no one would know. Jesus made a public spectacle as he whooped the devil one more time. The earth shook, the veil was torn, heaven responded, and Jesus won the battle. That's faith. I believe that. I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that that name is above every name. I believe in the blood, that that blood has washed and cleansed me, renewed me, and strengthened me. I believe in the Spirit of God that fills and equips me. I believe these things, and my faith is how I live. You with me this morning? Hallelujah. Then the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation. Salvation is ultimately, as the Bible says, you're working out your own salvation through fear and trembling. Salvation is not just I prayed a prayer in a church service or on a street corner one time. Salvation is now I have, by my own free will, admitted Christ as Lord and Savior over my life. And I've committed to follow Him all the days of my life through adversity, through people picking on me, through things coming against me. I believe it and now my salvation is what I'm working on. That means I am quick to repent. Because i got to work this guy out. He sometimes is stupid. So I have to repent. I have to get myself right. If it takes 17 altar calls, I'm going to go to 17 altar calls. If it takes me going and getting counsel from a pastor, if it takes me having hands laid upon me, I'm working out my own salvation. And that helmet, so notice that it's upon the mind because ultimately salvation is the renewing of the mind to think like Christ wants you to think. I'm working that out. I'm learning how to live the Christian life. I'm not just stopping along the way, but I'm working out my own salvation. I don't need a cheer club. Come on, who in here was saved radically and just the radical encounter you had with God was enough to where you were on a trajectory following God? You didn't even need 18 people calling you to check on you. No, you, you, you were going after God. That's salvation. How do you know you're saved? Because your entire life changes when you get saved. The old literally passes away. The new explodes within you. That's salvation. Fearing the Lord, the reverent awe and wonder of God is a part of that, which is also the beginning of wisdom. And then the Bible talks about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then praying in the Spirit. Those two combined. The Bible says in which if you were with us last Sunday night, I explained that in greater depth. But ultimately, you understand they are not separate. Every word in the Bible was inspired by the Spirit. It wasn't Paul had a good idea and wrote it down. It wasn't Isaiah had, you know, stubbed his toe and saw a vision. These were 100%. There is no error in the Word of God. And the Spirit of God that is on the earth today that fills and equips the church is in absolute 100% unity and agreement with that word. That if it's in the word and the spirit combined, you will have what the word and the spirit combined to say. That's the truth of God. The word is this double-edged sword that cuts between the soul and the spirit. What is that? That means that through the, the word of God is how you begin to we got a lot of Christians that think they're prophetic and think they're warring against the devil. But ultimately, when you boil it down, you just watch too many Hollywood movies. And so you got a lot of feelings cooking up and a lot of these things and heebie-jeebies and weird things. You know, this person struck me as weird. Bro, if we were to take a poll, you strike us all as weird. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but you know what I'm saying? You got those people that their, their spiritual battle makes them weird. I don't believe that you just get to be a weirdo in the kingdom of God. I believe that you actually get cool. <laughs> like you once had social anxiety, now it's broken off. Amen. You once couldn't be in a crowd, now you're at, you know, I can handle people. I love people. They are weird. People are weird. But ultimately, that's it, man. It's the, it's the it cuts through that. And then it goes back to how I started. You've got to recognize you have authority. 
And in spiritual attacks, you've got to exercise that authority. Come on, somebody. When I, I live at home, I've got three girls that I've raised. There are times, and you know as a parent, you can hear it escalating. You know, it starts out, and you're like, guys, stop. <laughs> guys, stop, or someone's going to get hurt. I know how this goes. Nah, I'm never going to get hurt. You know, 15 minutes later, ah, ah, ah. everybody's hurt. They, you know, they did it. No, they did it. No, they did it. No, they did it. They started it. And that's where you can sit there and just be like, guys, guys, guys. But eventually what happens is, that authority on the inside of you rises up. And you change your posture. <laughs> you change your vocal tone. And suddenly even the dog pees himself in the room. <laughs> when you're like, listen here. And everybody's like, what? what? I told you, stop. <laughs> you exercise authority. Right, anybody in here ever done that? Or you guys just let the kids like... Actually, I don't even know what my kids do. I haven't seen them in a week. That's a problem. <laughs> it happens because that's the same you've got to recognize in the spiritual realm. Why doesn't God deal with my problems? Because God gave you everything it takes to deal with your problems. When Jesus said it's finished, he said, I'm done with what I'm going to do. And then greater works than me you shall do because I go now to the Father but I'm sending the Spirit now to be with you, and that Spirit is on the inside of you. So the authority of God, the very voice of creation, lives in the inside of the church. And sometimes you got to put on your big boy pants and say enough is enough. Ah! And rise to that place. It's interesting that everything's the defense until this, that the sword of the Spirit is what we use for the aggression. Are you with me? The word is not my shield. My faith is my shield and the trusting of the character of God. But the word is what I use to go into this world and kick the devil where it counts and take territory in Jesus' name. You got to do it. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Second Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Come on, somebody. The word protects, but also empowers you. Go out swinging the word, and the devil has to bow to the word. How did Jesus defeat the devil when he was tempted? He didn't say, please, please leave me alone. Please. Please, Lucifer, I just, I'm tired and I'm a little hungry right now. Now is just not a good time. There's a lot going on. I don't know if you see the election results. I don't know if you know the Facebook post people have left. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a, a sad face on my post. It's just not a good time. Can't you pick a better time when I feel like fighting? No, Jesus did not do that. Yeah, he's hungry. You go eat, not eat for 40 days. I've done it once. You're hungry. Newsflash, around the third day, you're hungry. It's amazing. At that time, you go through two weeks where every prophetic dream you have has to do with food. Last night, I just felt like the Lord said, get ready, a hoagie's coming from above. I saw hot dogs in the spirit world. bro. That's the soul manifesting feed me <laughs> no he defeated the devil by saying get behind me it's written it's written it's written it's the word of God the same word he uses is applicable in your life today you can open up the Bible and you can read exactly what Jesus quoted 2,000 years ago and the devil had to obey and leave that's available to you. And then the Bible talks about praying always in the Spirit with all perseverance and supplication. Say perseverance. perseverance. You want to win the spiritual battle in your life? Don't be a quitter. Right. <laughs> so it's a true saying that quitters never win and winners never quit. One of the biggest tactics that breaks people from faith, from expectation, from success, from taking ground in their life and breaking glass ceilings, whether it be in business, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with your children, is that you quit before you get to the breakthrough. Right. The greatest resistance comes right before you break through to another level. Yeah. 
So when you feel like quitting, that's when you go into a time of prayer in the closet and pray, Holy Ghost, anoint me one more time. Because I feel like giving up, my flesh is manifesting, it's tired, everything's exploding, but I know this is just a sign that things are about to shift in Jesus' name. Hate to use the word shift, but it works. Perseverance and supplication. Perseverance means, let me read it from the dictionary, persistence in doing something despite the difficulty or the delay in achieving success. I can tell you, I promise you, you know when I became a pastor, I wrote down the vision of the church, and I wrote in five years we would have five campuses. We are seven and a half years old, and we have one campus. I am an absolute, utter failure on paper. But I get up every day, and I keep putting on my pants because, number one, it would be very hard to build a church if I didn't wear pants. (laughs) People leave for already the craziest of reasons, but I could get it if the pastor was just in boxers all the time. So please put your pants on. Amen. <laughs> and, I, and I say that to empower you, not to discourage you. I say that for you to understand that, yes, you can plan. And, and I believe there is acceleration. And I believe sometimes things break open. But ultimately, a breakthrough in someone's life. It looks like it happens. It's a military term. It means that at the place of resistance... Enough pressure was applied to where the enemy's line snapped open and the, and the momentum of the attack rushed in and overwhelmed them from the backside. That's a breakthrough. It's a military term. But it says even in the military term, the breakthrough is something that happens in a quick time period and it doesn't indicate how long the attack before was existing. So you feel like I've been pounding this wall for 20 years. Guess what? It's chipping. And when it breaks, you will rush through and the momentum you have gained through all those years, the world will look on and say, how did it happen? And you'll say, by perseverance and supplication. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. Don't quit. Say, I'm believing for my kid to be saved, but they are so far from God. I don't care. You go in your prayer closet and you get Holy Ghost Rambo style on it. Come on, somebody. People like trying to sound poetic as they pray. Get raw, bro. Tie on a bandana. Pull out a knife. You don't even have to have pants on in the prayer closet. Put on a kilt, man. Paint the face. Be like, I'm going to war right now. Mind every demon name you've ever heard, if you want to. I don't care. Lucifer, Python, Jezebel, Beelzebub. I mean, start calling them all out, whatever. But go to town. Persevere to get the breakthrough. Because I can promise you, my mom persevered, and that's why I'm alive. I would be dead had it not been for the prayers of someone that kept placing me in the hand of God. Until the Lord finally instructed my mom, said, I've heard your prayers. I'm working within him. Trust me, I've got it now. And within two months, I'm coming to mom saying I'm going to church. And my mom's like, and I'm like, it's just church, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Supplication means the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So that's another thing. Pride is not how you win a battle. It's not that I'm the greatest warrior in the church of God and everybody else is doing it wrong. There's a lot of arrogance in spiritual warfare camps. You're doing it wrong. You crack too many jokes. Well, I would rather laugh than sit there depressed hoping to get a breakthrough. Are you with me? At least if it's going to take a while, let's laugh. But people do that. I've seen the arrogance where people come in. You're doing it wrong. You know, there's more than one way to cast out a demon. You can cast out a demon in a crowd of people where the glory of God fills and people start laughing. People start rolling. Demons come out. 
You can also take them in a back room if you want, pull out a crucifix, bring some oil, start spritzing, start binding, start loosening till the thing manifests. You can call them out. You can do all that. Is it not true? How do you get someone healed? Is there not more than one way to get someone healed? It's all throughout scripture. Sometimes you spit on them. Amen. It's the best. That's the funnest way to get someone healed. It's satisfying both ways. No, I'm just joking. Get ready to receive. I still feel sick. Well, it was worth a shot. I'm sorry. I have too much fun. <laughs> but supplication, it's not that we beg God. It's not like I'm begging God, but it's a humble, it's a humility before the Lord. Like, Lord, I need you to strengthen me. I need you to strengthen me. You know, after Jesus stood for 40 days and resisted the devil, it says he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. It says after the devil left, the angels came and began to minister under him, strengthening spiritually, equipping him. You're not going to win a spiritual battle just because you talk a big talk. You're going to win a spiritual battle because you have leotards or you went to a spiritual warfare conference. You're going to win spiritual warfare because you got a kudu horn and you know how to blow it. doesn't matter how big your bottle of oil is, how well you blow the shofar, how great you dance interpretively, or how many songs you do, or how big your flag is. And I'm saying it. I mean, I am picking on that, but I'm just saying what people do that for is it, it, it puts them in the place of watch what I do and don't watch me go before the Lord. Right. Humility is a key to spirit. Do you you, you want to win for your family? Be humble. Because what's going to happen is the devil's going to push every button through your family to get you to manifest, to tear apart the unity in the household. Right. And a humble person stays submitted to God. Lord, help me. Not have a trigger. Help me not fall. I look at the church today and I look at great leaders that fail. How do you go from a word of faith, preach the word, tithing, giving, to now suddenly you're inviting killers on your platform? There was compromise and compromise and compromise and they don't see it. And so it awakens within me an awareness. God, please. I would rather you keep me small in the backwoods of Kentucky than elevate me to a platform that destroys my life and my family. I'm going to trust you, God, and I humbly put myself in the hands of God and say, Lord, you position me where I need to be. You put before me the attacks that you want me to take and you want me to plow through, and I'm going to trust you every step of the way. Amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if I can get someone on the keys. I know I unloaded a lot on you today to start this, this series off. Spiritual warfare is very real, though. There is a devil. He does hate you. He hates purity. He hates innocence. That's why you see young kids get corrupted at a young age. Because the enemy wants to corrupt that purity on the inside of them. <clears throat> All the things, the roots of so much of what goes on in society, the attacks, the craziness, the, the confusion, the gender confusion, they're rooted in, in, in wickedness was perpetrated upon an innocent, pure heart. But in this room right now, I want to I give a call. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.